Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we start a brand new series today called Developing Well. Um, we've been in a series for a long time, um, up to this uh, called Do You Want to Get Well? And then I was branching into sub-series, so I thought I would just branch into a whole sub-series. It's still kind of connected to Do You Want to Get Well? But I figured I better move out of it eventually because I was stuck there. And uh, I kept thinking of more things to think about. But now we'll do it in a little sub-series. Um, and and this, this part, this, this chunk is going to be called Developing Well. And, and what I want to talk about o- over the next season of time is um, we're going to use the Beatitudes in Matthew um, to sort of see how the Beatitudes build on one another and, and uh, how they're sort of a helpful guide in, in uh, our developing in our life with Christ. But at the same time, staying focused on, uh, on who he is and that it's always about him and, and sort of realizing along the way that, that, um, that we can't achieve the Beatitudes without the help of the Holy Spirit. And even then, you know, it's, it's only by him that we even get into that sort of um, area where we can, we can at some level experience what, what the Lord is talking about in the process. But I think it's just important to take a good look at those things. And, and, um, and you know, we've, as we've been talking about, do you want to get well? Um, and having decided to say yes to that whole process, um, that, that now we, we sort of take a look at what that looks like as we, as we move along in, the, in this whole journey with the Lord. But, you know, before we jump, jump in there, um, uh, I, just, I like to do a little transition, you know that, from intro to, to message. And so I, I, I just this little thing, this grasshopper walks into a bar. And the bartender says, hey, we have a drink na- named after you. And the, the grasshopper looks surprised and says, really? You have a drink named Steve? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a really busy week. <laughs> Scripture reading. I apologize to anybody new. Scripture reading. We'll redeem the whole thing right here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Here we go. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So there in Matthew 5, Jesus um, gives us what we know as the Beatitudes. Matthew 5 is the beginning of, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are um, this, this sermon that, uh, is, is, you know, that most people have heard of. Jesus sat and he, he taught people um, and, and he went over some really amazing concepts. And um, you have to understand that uh, he was uh, turning everything upside down. 
with uh, the words that he was saying. Jesus was, was making the, um, in particular, the established religious community who would gather around him at this point early in his ministry to hear what's going on. Um, he was telling them that they'd really got this thing backwards. And um, he challenges them constantly with, uh, as we move on into the Sermon on the Mount, as you would to continue to read, you, you'll hear him say things like, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, and then he completely undoes what, what has been the, the understanding of the established religious community. And the Beatitudes start all that off because they, um, they, they come at us um, in a very interesting way. It's sort of, they, they present ideas that are the opposite of what we might naturally expect to be said, especially by Jesus, you know, our, often our ideas of, of who God is and what holiness is and what all that concept looks like has, um, has been twisted over time to, to become um, sort of a, a very religious in, in uh, the way that we look at things, and I don't mean that in a, in a good way, I, I just mean that we, just like the established religious community at the time, the Pharisees, um, who started their mission with fairly noble purposes. So sometimes, cause when we talk about Pharisees sometimes, I think it's too easy to write them off as bad guys. Um, and and they certainly do lots of evil at this point in time. But when, when the Pharisees started out a couple hundred years before Christ, they, they had a very noble purpose. Um, they, they, they sort of started out in order to try and um, protect Judaism from being um, Hellenized. That means the, the Greeks who were pretty much you know, taking over everything at that point until the Romans got there, but their culture and way of life was just sort of moving into everything and um, th- they wanted to protect Judaism. And so they, they got together to, um, to do just that. And, and so they initially started with a pretty noble purpose, but the way that they continued to move on to that was they just kept making more and more rules and laws and, and they kept adding to what was already there and what happened over time was they lost all sort of sense of God's love and mercy and grace. They just, they didn't, they couldn't find it. It was about following these laws and, and you had to follow and that's all you had. And so by the time Jesus came, um, the, the established religious community was making it impossible for anyone to come and know God. They, they, they had just completely fallen short of what was intended. And so Jesus is undoing it all. And, and uh, he, he's got to start in, in that process and move through it. And remember too now, the expectations that we're dealing with at this time, um, even of Jesus' disciples and the people of the gathering, is that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to deliver them from, their, um, from what was happening at that point in time in, by the Romans and their, their oppressor, the Romans. And they were looking for a political deliverance that they thought Messiah was going to bring them, restoring Israel back to the prominence it had under David uh, and, and David's time. And, and, um, and so Jesus is going to do something completely different. And, and this is just unsettling everything and everybody. Um, but, but often Jesus will... Have you ever noticed that Jesus will do that? Uh, he'll, it, it, do you, when you read the encounters when Jesus is meeting with people, doesn't he sort of often do things that you wouldn't expect him to do? And you go, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. I mean, after you've read it a lot of times, you see it. But just when you, he's just so good about that. He, he does it in such a, uh, he's so non-religious, for lack of a better term. He, he, he just moves into situations and meets people where they are. And he, he, he's able to love people and yet um, encourage them to, to live rightly. And, and that's why everyone was so attracted to Jesus. They were drawn to him. 
in, in, uh, in big groups and crowds. And so, so what you have here is now early on in the ministry of Jesus, he sits down and begins to teach. He's teaching his disciples. There's, there's this another crowd around him, a Pharisees trying to figure out what he's doing. There's people who don't have a clue. They're all hanging out with Jesus, and he begins to teach this, this large group. And um, the sermon starts with these Beatitudes, quite a way to start. That's what we call them, these, these attitudes, these things. And the Beatitudes, point one in your notes there, they're a description um, of developing well. That's where the, the title of the series came. These are a description of developing well. And so the, the Beatitudes, their attitudes are qualities that should be developing in our life as we yield to the Holy Spirit and live by trying to do the next right thing, which we talk about all the time. But, but these can only be developed... Um, in our lives with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't fake these, because they, they won't come to you naturally. Um, they, they are the opposite. They are, they are, they are put in there by God as an, and empowered in you by the Holy Spirit um, to, to live the life that he's, he's called us to. And, and so they're, they're really like a, a great description of how a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, which, which we are in Christ, um, should be attempting to live. And remember, I'm always going to put that in, attempting to live. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're supposed to be doing the best we can, understanding we still mess up sometimes, and that we need every day the mercy and the grace and the love of God. It's a continual need in our lives. We always need it. We need to stay in that place where we know that we need it so that we can effectively minister to the world around us. So um, that very first beatitude, Matthew 5, 3, really fascinating. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's, now again, that seems opposite of what we might expect. Um, poor in spirit, you would think that, that people who were like rich in spirit would be the ones who were blessed in the king. And, and you, you start going, well, it doesn't quite make sense. But what does it mean, then point two, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Good question, even though I asked it. Still, it's a good question. Um, to be poor in spirit is to be aware of our desperate need for God's mercy and grace. It's, it's being aware that we cannot save ourselves. That, that we are, in effect, helpless and defenseless in our own strength. Um, that our performance cannot earn God's favor. Um, it's this realization that, that the Holy Spirit actually works in us that allows us to, to empty our hearts of self so that they, they can then be filled by Jesus. Um, that's what it looks like to be poor in spirit. It's the, it's the realization, the constant realization that, that we desperately need Jesus. We're helpless apart from him. We can do nothing in our own strength. Really, apart from him, we can do nothing. In him, all sorts of possibilities. Apart from him... We're lost, we're spiritually dead, we, we, we're, we're broken um, with, with no hope. Um, that's how we exist apart from Jesus. And so this first beatitude, this understanding that we're poor in spirit, um, apart from Jesus, where we have nothing, um, is really the foundation for all of the rest. Um, every, every other beatitude is gonna develop on that Understanding that we can't do this apart from Jesus. We need Jesus in our lives. That's, that's gonna be the heart of it. And uh, um, we, we have to come to that point 
in our lives of realizing our desperate need for God and, and, and God alone before we can continue on in him. We can't go past that. We can't, we can't move on in him without coming to that point that we're, we're helpless and broken and that we need God, desperately need God in our lives. And, um, and, and then I think we always have to come back to that. We, it, it's a constant, that realization, because if we lose sight of that, what happens is then we, we have a tendency to become like the Pharisees and we become ineffective in the mission that God has given us in the world around us because we start to get critical and judgmental and superior. Um, we start acting in a superior way, which, which shuts us down from reaching out to people. Um, you know, you, you heard me say, if you, if you were here last week or in the past, that, that you know, the reality is that we, we're broken um, and that we have to embrace that brokenness. We have to see it and embrace it. And then, and then, then we have to get healed enough in Jesus so that we can reach out to other broken people and help them recognize and embrace their brokenness and, and that, that they can get healed enough in Jesus so that then they can reach out to other broken people and, and help them you know, recognize and embrace their own brokenness so they can get healed enough in Jesus and it just keeps going on and on and on. And that's the process. That's this whole idea of, of getting well and, and, and how to develop well in him. Luke 18, 9 through 14 Jesus gives us a parable. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Nice guy, right? I mean, you imagine point, can you, and yet, think about it, sometimes we get, if we're not careful, I'm not saying you guys do, but if we're not careful, we can just get arrogant enough in, you know, the progress that we're making that we start getting like this without realizing we're getting like this. You know, thank God, at least I'm not like that guy anymore. But apparently he did it, I mean, it's a story, but in Jesus' story, he does it right in front of him. Thank you, God, that I'm not like that guy, because that guy's a mess. I fast twice a week, give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is, an, this is just an, you talk about flipping everything upside down. This is an amazing parable. Uh, and, and really, it's all about the grace of God, but it's, it's also about who's, who's in the kingdom of God and who isn't. And, and it's, it's not what you would expect. Um, the, the self-righteous, very, you know, upstanding, praying, and looking good on the outside guy ain't getting it. It's the, the broken down guy who realizes how desperately he needs Jesus that gets the kingdom. So that's the huge difference in, in the parable. Um, it, it's, it, this, the, the kingdom of God is not about the self-righteous. It's about the people who realize their brokenness and desperate need for God. And, and you have to allow that to sink past lots of layers, usually. Because it's not, it's not what we naturally would think of as, as having it figured out. It's like, you know, a lot of times when we when we talk about holiness, 
and, and a lot of times we have this idea about what holiness looks like. And, and, and we, you know, we think that holy people have, you know, they've withdrawn from society and they're, 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 you know, they're away from all the temptation, everything, and they live this sort of, you know, life that we, we can't even comprehend or imagine. And well, that's, they're very holy. And I'm, I'm not picking on that, but Jesus is the example of holiness and that's not the life that he lived. Jesus was in the middle of it, man. He was out there. He was, he was where the people were, and he just loved on people. And, and you know, he never, he, never, um, uh, he never licenses sin by any stretch of the imagination. But he just loves people so much that they're drawn to him. And all of a sudden, the things that they're turning to don't compare, and they don't want to keep doing them. See, that's the difference. That's holiness. It's, it's living in a way that, that demonstrates the, the love of God to people so that they can respond and have a chance because we got one. So, you know, that, that's this whole beatitude. The, the reason that you're in Christ is because you got a chance. At some point, something broke through to you and you, you said yes. And it was only the goodness and grace of God that got you there. You couldn't have earned it. You didn't, you didn't deserve it. All those other things, you were, you were a broken mess and, and you, you still are, just like me. And, and yet, th- this amazing gift has been presented to us. Um, in, in Christ and, and you know wh- how do we live with that realization how do we live from there what does that look like to, to us and to the world around us how do we develop on that and, and, and part of it is being very careful that we don't get drawn into you know the, the way the Pharisees took it and, and, and we constantly realize it was mercy and grace I, mean, I, I still don't deserve it not even close and, and this is the, the concept that we have to go. This, this idea of God have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, that those are the words of someone who gets their total reliance on Jesus for everything. And that's where life is found. That's, that's it. That's the bottom line. When you realize that, that you need Jesus for everything, then, then things begin to change. From there, growth starts to take place. Cause, cause, and you keep going back to there. Jesus, I need you for everything. So that brings up the third one then, you know, well, why are the poor in spirit blessed? Because that, that, like I said, it seems, all the Beatitudes you're going to see, they seem funny and contradictory. And the, and the, the blessings are, are um, very kingdom related in that they're, they're here and, and yet they're, we'll get more um, as we press on in him. Um, but but that, that's the third thing is why are the, the, the poor in spirit blessed? And, and uh, see, they're blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, kingdom of God, you can, you can turn those two words around. We, when we get this, that we need Jesus desperately and that, that we, we, we don't deserve it, but we come to him and, and he, he pours out his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness on us, um, then, then the kingdom of God um, is given to us. And it's only through this realization of our, our constant need for God that we can enter the kingdom now and forever. It's not our works, it's not our performance, um, we're not now, nor will ever will be good enough. It's only in Christ that we enter in, and and that awareness, as I've been saying, should keep us from from becoming self righteous. Always remembering that we're broken and, and need Jesus desperately. Uh, Isaiah sixty one one through three says this: The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn 
and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is a picture of, of, of what it's like to, to be a, uh, in the kingdom of God now and forever. It's, a, it's how God begins to move into the situations in our lives that, that we experience it, it now in part and, and completely when he returns, but um, there's nothing better than, than life in the kingdom of God. And, and so it's, uh, it's this idea that, that sort of is the, is the foundation for everything that we're gonna talk about in developing. See, when, when we come to Jesus, we come with empty hands. In, in effect, we have nothing to offer. And we hold out our, our empty hands and he fills them with grace and the knowledge that he loves us. See, we're his deeply loved children. And he fills us with his spirit. And, and as we yield to him, we develop as the citizens of the kingdom, which is, which is what he came to develop when he got here the first time. Just, just people who would love him back and tell other people how much he loved them so that they would have a shot. That's, that's the mission, to be ambassadors, to to let people know that, that God is reconciling the world to himself. That's the mission of God. He's, he's reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And he's letting broken people that figure it out tell other broken people so they can figure it out, so they can tell other broken people. Isn't that cool? You ever think about that, how cool that is, that you're a part of that? And that when you, when you tap into that, you, 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 you tap into a history of, of a, you know, a couple of thousand years of the church that's been doing that since Christ came. And does it until he comes back? I get, I, I love thinking about that. How? It's this, the, the heart, this is the heart of the message that's been going on for two, it just keeps going on. Because every generation, a group gets it and keeps passing it through so that more people can get it. Broken people getting healed enough in Jesus to tell other broken people they need Jesus so they can get healed enough to tell other broken people. And that's how it goes. But it all starts there in the first beatitude. So be thinking about that um, this week and we're gonna pick it up there. The next one is another one of those fascinating beatitudes. Well, blessed are those who mourn and we look at that and it doesn't even make sense but, but we'll explain it as we go. And uh, if you're watching by television or on video, thank you. We appreciate you spending your valuable time with us. We'd love you to have you come visit us here at Big Pine. Come, come check us out sometime. We're here a lot on the weekends. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page or you can give us a call and we'll... Uh, We'll pray for you there. But thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you soon.